Yeah, baby. Here we are, Mike and Andy today at the Vox World Headquarters, Brea, California. Uh, it feels a little bit like autumn. We are recording this on a Thursday in September 2016, and, and the temperature is actually under 80 degrees, and we love it. Um, for those of you that live in other parts of the world, you would call this a beautiful summer day. For us, it is fall. Um, I'm here not only with Andy... <laughs> Uh, because we've realized uh, that we need to kind of water down Andy's influence. So we're going to start bringing more guests um, here. So we're here with our friend Izzy. Hey, kids. Izzy Ray. Izzy Ray. It's I-Z-Z-I. -I. Mm -hmm. So it's not only spelled the same backward and forward, but upside down, it's spelled the same. So mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know what that's called. If but you that's, read top to bottom, epic. you yeah. know, with, yep. with words. It's exciting stuff. So Izzy Ray is uh, a friend of ours. She's part of our little Vox uh, church community. She is um, our resident uh, artist, but more than that, she is a pastor and leader on our team. Um, Izzy Ray uh, is, uh, you're 20, correct? Mm -hmm. when, do, when do you yes. turn 21? March. March. So uh, in March, what day? My birthday's in 29th. March. 29th. Oh, I'm, ah. I'm 22nd. Oh. So, oh. so you know yeah, what we'll do cute. on the 29th? Joy We're, B day. We're gonna have no. We're gonna have a Coors Light together. Oh. It's gonna be. It's gonna be awesome. Can't wait. That's so right. so yes. In fact, you can go buy it that night. I know. And, yeah, I'll and pick just, it up. On yeah, the way it'll here. be. It'll be good. For what it's worth, I'm glad we finally have the true voice of the millennials in the room. Yes, you're welcome. Oh, um, I am a millennial. Um, <laughs> now Izzy Izzy is a recording artist. Um, and so she's got some great creative angst and uh, awkwardness that we, we absolutely adore. She's a thorough introvert. And we thought, ooh, what better, what better place to, uh, to have her uh, share a bit uh, than on a podcast. So no one can see her. She's totally hidden from view. But if you, you yeah. she's on YouTube and she's on iTunes. And there you go. So Izzy Ray. Uh, but, but more than that, she's just a friend of ours. And we're talking about church stuff today. And we thought, hey, We'd love Izzy's Izzy's perspective because I'm here representing the 30-somethings. Andy here is representing the 40-somethings. And so it's nice to have a 20-something um, here as well. So uh, our, our, uh, our, our bit of, um, our bit of uh, let's see, fodder, we'll call it, for hmm. today came in the form of somebody, somebody sent me a link to this. And uh, I, and I'm sure it's been something that's been floating around the last couple of years, but I, I thought it was interesting. Um, it was it was called Dear Church. Here's why people are really leaving you, and it's by a guy named John Pavlovitz. I'm going to say it's Pavlovitz, mm -hmm. and there could uh, be a silent V or silent L there. Yep, Who knows? John. So we'll call him John P. Um, and, uh, and I, again, I have no date on this other than, yeah, I just thought it was sort of interesting. Um, one, one of the, the very big reasons that we started a little church community out of this podcast is that it is so easy to complain about the state of the church. It's so easy to point out, um, it's, it's flaws. It's so easy to complain about all the ways it falls short of what it should be. And, and I find myself guilty of, you know, being cynical and being uh, bitter um, as, you know, I've hurt people in as part of a church and I've been hurt by people in church. Um, and so an article like this could very easily turn into just more bashing. I, I don't want to do that. I, I don't want to bash for the sake of bashing. I want to, I want to talk about it for the sake of what, what's the alternative look like? Cause here's what mm -hmm. I, here's what I yeah. firmly believe that we, we in the American, um, expression of evangelicalism suffer from a colossal lack of imagination hmm. about what church is, what church could be, what gatherings are. And, uh, and so we felt like if we were really going to do a podcast that was talking about all sorts of cultural issues, but also talking about the subculture that uh, sometimes cr true Christianity needs to be separated from, we needed to not just criticize, but to create. And mm -hmm. so Vox uh, community was our attempt to say, okay, well, here, here's, here, here's uh, a, a marginal attempt uh, to, try to, to try to create something. So it, it's with that heart of, of because there's so much love for the church of Jesus that um, we, we come and we, and we want to respond to this article. 
Some in agreement, some not in agreement. This is one one time where I'd really be curious for those of you who are listening, um, why, and if you've left the church or, you know, people who have, what was the reason? What was the real reason? Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to know. I'd love to know because, I mean, there are all sorts of statistics uh, and I've got books full of, hey, millennials are, are leaving the church and people after they graduate high school and youth group, you know, they, they don't come back. And if they do, they're in their 30s. And, you know, you, you, you have all of this kind of the sky's falling sort of stuff. But I, I'm really interested because this guy gets very specific mm-hmm. uh, about why. So here's, here's his lead up. So Izzy, chime in whenever you'd like. Andy, chime in very little. And... Um, <laughs> And it'll be, it'll be great. The power of my comments will be like a mustard seed. Yeah, that just kind of, <laughs> that kind of moves takes this over entire mountain takes over of the a podcast. whole whole podcast. <laughs> oh, so here it is, uh, dear church. Here's why people are really leaving you. He starts being on the other side of the Exodus sucks, don't it? I see the panic on your face, church. I know the internal terror as you see the statistics and hear the stories and scan the exit polls. I see you desperately scrambling to do damage control for the fence sitters, manufacture passion from the shrinking faithful, and I want to help you. You may think you know why people are leaving you, but I'm not sure you do. You think it's because the culture out there is so lost, perverse, so beyond help that we're walking away, or you believe... Uh, that people are leaving because they've turned a deaf ear, deaf ear to the voice of God, chasing money, sex, and material things. You think that the gays, the Muslims, and the atheists, and the pop stars have so screwed up the moral morality of the world that everyone is abandoning faith in droves. Uh, but he says, uh, John P. says, but those aren't the reasons people are leaving you. They aren't the problem, church. You're the problem. And then he gives five ways. And, and so I, I want to engage with these not from a place of bitterness or cynicism, but from a place of... Hey, I wonder if if our imagination isn't as wide and broad as it should be when it comes to some of these things. So where's the truth in this? And if if some of you out there listening be willing to share a bit of, of your journey, I'd love, absolutely love to hear this. So you can email me at mike at voxoc.com, or you can put it on a Facebook page or info at voxoc.com. Mm-hmm. Or, or hello at voxpodcast.com. What? Ooh. Well, we, we're, we're having a new website that's coming. It's coming. Vox Podcast. Subversive Kingdom is just too much, too muddy. Mm-hmm. So we're going to voxpodcast.com. Mm-hmm. And then what's, what did you say the address was? Uh, hello at voxpodcast.com. That's awful. Because first of all, that could be Adele or Lionel Richie. <laughs> and it's, we got to specify which, which it is. Hello, it's me at voxpodcast.com <laughs> or... Hello. Strangely appropriate. It's me you're yeah. looking for. I don't know. I kind of like the simplicity internet. of it. Hello, internet. I don't say that anymore. I, I've gone away from that. I've changed it. All right, now. So, so week, he says. I, I did hear that, yeah. He says, <laughs> here, here are five reasons. He says, uh, your Sunday productions have worn thin. You speak in a foreign language. Your vision can't see past your buildings. You choose lousy battles. Your love doesn't look like love. And then he's got some stuff towards the end that we'll talk about. But I'd love to go through kind of one of these at a time and see how far we get. Your Sunday productions have worn thin. Now, all three of us are involved in Sunday productions. Mm-hmm. So, so I teach. Uh, Izzy leads uh, worship. Um, Andy uh, is kind of runs the production of and the coordination of, of Sunday. So we all have a vested interest in this sort of conversation. But here's what he says, and then let's let's react to it. The stage and the lights and the bands and the video screens have all just become white noise. I don't know why he has to make it racial. <laughs> have all just become white noise to those really seeking to encounter God. They're eye uh, and ear candy for an hour, but they have so little relevance in people's daily lives that uh, more and more of them are taking a pass. Yeah, the songs are cool, and yeah, the show is great, but ultimately Sunday morning isn't really making a difference on Tuesday afternoon or Thursday evening when people are wrestling with the awkward, messy, painful stuff in the trenches of life, the places where rock shows don't help. Uh, we can be entertained anywhere until you give us something more than a Christian theme performance piece, something that allows us to allows us space and breath and conversation and relationship. Many of us are going to sleep in and stay away. All right, uh, Andy, Izzy, what's your first initial reaction to that statement? I've experienced all of that. <laughs> you have, yeah. In what way? Um, in the way of it is so overly focused on the production where we miss like the authenticity of what we're actually supposed to be doing. Right. And we'll do hours of 
run-throughs of transitions and, and all these things, and then you get scripted prayers and, and all these things that you're like, wait, what are, what are we doing? Why are we focusing on all these things? And it gets so watered down after that when you focus so much on the the show side and the lights and the smoke machine and, and everything. Oh, I love the smoke machine. It. The spirit, you know, the Holy Spirit's there when the smoke <laughs> when machine's it creeps going. In, oh yeah, it's time. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh, it's thriller. <laughs> um, now, now, so, so you've been in places where they script the prayers, the transitions, even to mm-hmm. the second, yeah, kind of thing. What do you think sits behind that? Like, what, why, why has that become a very important thing in in some forms of the American church? What, why, why is that such a big? Big deal. I think people just love having control over everything. I think, okay. And I don't know exactly why that is. Maybe it's like they're a little bit scared of what could happen. I don't know. I I always was so confused by that. Hmm. Um, but I kind of was like, why are we why are we controlling everything? Like that's the beauty of like what we're gathering. Like there's such <laughs> mystery there. I don't want to want to like restrict that. So it removes but, mystery yeah. to do that. What do you think, Andy? Well, I think you can't capitalize on mystery. You know, it's like it's... If you've got it nailed. Yeah, if you got it nailed down. And when hundreds of churches are looking at each other for high attendance and people that are showing and that they're giving, then you model. And then you continue that model. And then you... Because if you, if you think minute by minute, well, here's our scheduled services. This is how much time we have. Well, you don't want to waste a minute if you could put mm-hmm. something in there that seems, you know, effective in the industrial model of what church looks like in our modern day. Right. So it's like the, I mean, in so many conversations I've been a part of, of the production side, it's like you, you try to work out all these minutes, like, well, let's do this kind of prayer or let's, let's yeah. add this in or, oh, that'll really work this well this week. Cause this thing happened. You know, there's this whole other conversation in the background about manipulation, understanding the psychology of people's emotions sitting in the seats. Well, let's, let's really work this kind of song in. Cause this is kind of where we're going and this mm-hmm. might look like what the response is now. Uh, on the surface, um, there's been plenty of conversation of call-outs of like, well, yeah, all that works, so then people feel like that's the thing they're part of, so they give more to it. And then the thing keeps generating more cash, and then people keep having jobs, and it's really a, a very capitalistic oh, know, okay. kind of so venture. All right, so your read on it is the the professional excellence is necessary to – because churches are competing with each other for tenders yep. and competing with whatever the world is offering – and uh, no one's going to sit, you know, no one goes, no, big crowds do not go to coffee houses. You know, they go to arenas mm-hmm. for, for uh, concerts. Right. Um, now, if this is true, I mean, do you agree people are leaving for this reason? Um, in my experience, I've had tons of conversations where that is what's tired, is, is that very thing. Uh, my other observation is obvious is that the the coming and current generation of connectivity also kind of says something about this too, though, because church is kind of the last place where, and rock concerts actually trump this in a way, and I'll explain why, but church is kind of the last place where um, you sit in a seat and the actual interaction for the person sitting in the seat is completely deemed to control by who's on the stage. It's not a connectivity environment where you would be posting, sharing, tweeting, retweeting, having, having these moments of instant connectivity where you feel like it goes beyond just what's in that actual moment. And it's really because that's just where culture is gone. In any type of entertainment arena you enter into, you kind of go into it knowing that that's going to be a role. You go to a concert and you're like, oh, I'm tweeting about it. This is amazing. Or I'm on Snapchat and I'm taking pictures of it. Or I'm on Instagram and letting everyone know where I'm at. And this is what I'm experiencing and what I'm doing. The people aren't doing it. People are doing it in the church sphere. But it's in such a way that actually seems to hurt the whole idea of church in itself. It's like, why is church a place where you do that? That's what you do at concerts. That's what you do at other places where you're being entertained. It has this whole irony to it. Mm. So, and I think that... Um, that generation has sniffed that out and it's lost that's you know that authenticity has become really dry and so you agree with that izzy yeah it it just it doesn't feel real you know and so you're sitting there and you're like you're trying to be relevant and like reach me but you're faking it and i can just see right through that you know right it's not authentic yeah one of the one of the really interesting things because i've been on both sides of this i've i've been Mm -hmm. you know uh, in uh, in places where yeah you and, and and I'm a huge fan of production values. I mean I think if you're gonna do something, do it well. I mean we're yeah. not you know we don't totally. we're we're not gonna have um, uh, people up there that that are horrible communicators and they're not gifted or people up there that aren't gifted musically. Uh, so there's some sort of balance, of course. Mm-hmm. But the thing I hear in this 
is uh, it, I just I hear the the sameness of it all. It's all the same songs. It's all the same beautiful people. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was I saw an ad yesterday for an EP that was coming out from a worship band, and it's just it, it you it could it could have been done anywhere in the country with any church. That's you know I mean it's it's like there's just this sameness to right. it all. Yeah, I I had a, a last year I visited my parents' church on the East Coast. And I, I sat there so frustrated because it was like I could call every single shot. I'm right, sitting right. there. Yeah, I'm like, this is what's next. Here's how this is going to go. And like, I mean, just line by line by everything. Oh, I, and man. I walked away. So just like I'm on the other side of the country. Right. And it's like this is a whole different city. I'm like this. This the the context, right. the culture, and the texture of this people here is so different than my hometown. And yet. The way that we express and the way we approach God completely lacks that personality. Right. And it was just, it was, it was so like, just removed all the air out of me from it. I'm like, oh, it just, it was this huge state of exhaustion. I, I was so frustrated. Yeah, I see. Oh, sorry, Izzy, go ahead. No, no, no. No, you go. I, no, I was agreeing. Oh, you were agreeing. <laughs> I was mm-hmm. mm. So um, there's a lot of that that Andy does when I talk. <laughs> So that's totally welcome here. Now, now I'm getting the mm's. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know, which is, uh, again, the just another... Your plan is not know. working. No, shoot, it is not. <laughs> and, and people legitimately come up to me like, they're, you're mean to Andy. <laughs> like, they're legitimately concerned. And I'm like, uh-huh. first of all, uh, yes, I am. And secondly, he deserves it. So <laughs> that's absolutely... Mm-hmm. Uh, no, um, I, the thing I, I, I see in this, and, and I've wondered myself sometimes, uh, I, I just think it's... I think perhaps... Um, in our quest for relevance and excellence, which are which are good things in and of themselves, we we may have baptized some um, at least neutral, like non-biblical ideas or mm. anti-biblical mm. ideas. You know, I mean, one of the one of the books I read that was most convicting to me was a book called "The McDonaldization of the Church," mm. and and it, the the guy was arguing that w- the values efficiency control, productivity, Mm. the values that drive a McDonald's franchise to be the same everywhere are the same values the church has embraced, at least in its mega church incarnations. And uh, and I was like, whoa! I think I think there's I think there's something. And so for me, I want to I want to talk about the cost of that because everything's trade-offs. Because we could just say, okay, well, we're we're just going to be spontaneous. I, I don't. I'm not going to plan a sermon. We're not going to plan a story. We're not going to plan a, a set list. We're just going to show up and see what the spirit does. Yeah. And and there are some communities that do that. Yeah. Absolutely. But but there are trade-offs either direction. So let's talk about the trade-offs. If you mm-hmm. embrace the control value, the efficiency value, the excellence value, where, what's the cost? Mm-hmm. And one of one of the costs you've already said is uh, is you lose mystery and wonder. Mm-hmm. Um, you lose p- potentially. Um, there's nothing that on our side isn't explainable because we planned it the, from the lighting cues to the yeah. to when the smoke's released to hey we think this this really well told story is going to be an emotional peak here and it's this and I think God can use it all obviously He does He does He does um, but but the thing to me that 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 I, I think He has learned to to great was I I, I read a tweet. Uh, from a guy named John Tyson, who's uh, a pastor in New York, and it was beautiful. He said, "Hey," and, and I'm I'm Mikeizing him. He's mm. I think he's paramiking. He, he's yeah, <laughs> paramiking is for sure. But he said, "You know, we we don't have any awesome worship. We don't have any rockin' killer, you know, sermons. We just have the the Word of God, the people of God, and the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what we've got to offer." And I was like, "That's it. That." That makes me hungry in ways just hearing about the new, man, we're starting a new series on X, Y, and Z, and you yeah. can text in your this, and, yeah. and then we're going to have this amazing da-da-da, yeah. and, and you just, it, the whole hype of it. And so there's this adrenalized, we're teaching people to run their Christian life on adrenaline, the, oh. the big crowd, the emotional moment, mm-hmm. and we're not teaching them to run their Christian life on the ordinary, mundane stuff mm-hmm. of running errands and returning phone calls or texts uh, of of a conflict with your roommate we're not no one's learning how to to do Jesus work there 
we're we're just learning to do Jesus work when it's all hypey and we're all in a big room and it's all just amazing. And I'm I love those experiences. I love mm-hmm. being a part of those. They're mm-hmm. me- they're memorable. They they change lives. But there's no counterbalance to it. We're not teaching. People yeah. are learning to do Jesus stuff in non-adrenalized environments. Well, it, it explains also, I think, um, the issue where when people go out and try to do ministry or they're coming up with an idea to do it, and it, it's like, well, it doesn't feel big enough. Or, right. or if it's not big enough, then it's not worth it. Right. You know, And it, it yes. forces us to think of how we make ourselves, make our thing bigger, make our dreams bigger, make our desires and wants bigger. Right. And which seems to me completely unbiblical, you know, where we, you know, we're called to be weak and called to be small so that, you know, Christ can be big. So well, it's like that's... Yeah. And, and I think there are legitimate uh, movements mm-hmm. that explode into bigness. Yeah. Because of the move of God, the unexplicable favor of God, the the right combination of whatever number of factors. So, so this isn't about big or small as much as it is um, about what we believe that that gathering is to be about. Yeah, and and I think that there there is, and I feel it. There's this pressure um, to to fit into the sameness of kind of the the American church culture at least in its white mm-hmm. in its white version because uh, you've got Hillsong out there you've got you know you got just Instagram pictures of big rooms and hands raised and loads of young people and mm-hmm. and you're like yeah that's yeah. I kind of want to be a part of that um, but you you're onto something Mandy and I hate to admit it but the, you said a word there that I think this really like this is the deep the deep piece here and it's our lack of comfort with weakness. So we we have been trained to project strength mm-hmm. and success, mm-hmm. and um, and uh, and it's all. I mean, and we can jazz it up and we can pretend, but the the truth of it is, it's all about your platform, your followers, your attendance, how, how what your budget is. I mean, really. I mean, that's pastors can can say it's not that but if you're if small pastors are complaining small church pastors are complaining about large church pastors it's usually out of envy uh because they'd love to do it and and all big church pastors do are just compare how big their churches are mm-hmm. and uh and and um and, and that's the reason why small church pastors never speak at conferences yeah um and you know i mean it's just it's the lamest thing but there's a deep there's a deep theology here that i want to talk about because um, I, I read a book years ago uh, called Power, Weakness, and the Tabernacling of God. All right, so there's there, that's not a friendly title, hmm. uh, but it was by, <laughs> it's by a woman named Marva Dawn. And, um, and, and, I, and I, I was at a, a time in my life when I was really limping. I was, I was struggling with the depression and anxiety. I'd taken some medication. I'd gained a bunch of weight. Um, I was just feeling just, you know, we just found out our, our youngest son um, was going to have Down syndrome. And I was just, and the church I was with was exploding, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. it was, and I, I just was living in this uh, juxtaposition of uh, personally so weak and yet professionally or however you want to measure it, just, you know, it was supposed to be awesome. And I came across this book and, and at the core of her book, she takes on the verse where, where Paul, there, if, if you're not familiar with uh, this particular story, there's a missionary named Paul who uh, writes to a church, and that church is super impressed with other people than Paul. <laughs> Paul is kind of like the founder of the church, but there are these, uh, they're called super apostles. And these are, these are people that are more winsome, better speakers. They're, uh, Paul, evidently, we get from his writings, he was, he was a, he's a thunderous writer, but in person, he wasn't all that, that awesome. So the, the, the church had been splitting over personalities. Imagine that, shocking. <laughs> some preferred one person, some preferred another person. And, and then Paul writes, a, a le- he writes several letters to them. We have two of them called 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. And in 2 Corinthians, he, he begins to take on the church's fixation with greatness. And, and he says, hey, here's all my qualifications, but I think all of those uh, are ridiculous. Um, instead, I will boast about my weakness. And he talks about being shipwrecked, and he talks about being flogged, and he talks mm-hmm. about being, you know, put uh, stoned outside of the city gates. I mean, he like he starts boasting about his weakness, and then he and then he kind of transitions into this weird like um, 
I've I've like had visions and I've been taken up to the third heaven, but to to keep humble, to keep me humble in the midst of all this, God, there was, he said, he doesn't say God, there was given to me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan. Now, I don't know if he means like a literal sort of messenger of Satan, or we think it was more a, a piece of weakness. So some say it was uh, Paul suffered from an eye ailment. Some say it was depression. Some say it was worry. I mean, who knows what it is? Mm-hmm. But he three times he prays to God, God, take it away. And God responds by saying this. He says, my grace is sufficient for you, um, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. All right. Now, that's the classic translation of this. This is going somewhere, by the way. <laughs> my grace is sufficient for you, God says to Paul, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Now, in this book, Marva Dawn questions that translation of it. And she does it on the basis of the fact that there's no personal pronoun before strength. So we don't know if it's talking about God's strength or Paul's strength huh. in Greek. Okay. And, then, and then secondly, the word that we translate, my power is made perfect, is translated everywhere else in the New Testament as my power is brought to its end. It's, it's, it's so, so she says the better translation is my grace is sufficient for you for strength is brought to its end in weakness. Now, so because there's no personal pronoun there, her argument is, well, God's strength is never brought to its end. So it's got to be talking about Paul's strength. So here's how she retranslates the verse. And I'm not doing her argument justice. I mean, it's really well done. Here's how she retranslates it. She says, um, uh, let me find it here. She says, my grace, uh, God says to Paul, all right, according to her translation, my grace is sufficient for you, for your power is brought to its end in weakness. Mm-hmm. In other words, instead of my power is shown in your weakness, it's your power is brought to its end in weakness. And the implication is, therefore, mine now will be shown. Mm, In other words, weakness is necessary to see God's power. Now, and then what she does is she just shows how many hundreds Mm. of examples from the Bible of God using human weakness rather than human strength. So here's Gideon, right? He's got, he's taken on an army of what, 50, (laughs) 75,000 Midians. Right. And and we just think it's a cute Sunday school story. Well, you know, so Gideon's got over 30,000 people and God goes, man, too much, too much, too much, too much. He gets him down Mm. to 300 people. And he says specifically, here's why. So that you don't think you did this, right? And this was, at, but after they won, like I mean, right? Because that's the order, like they, because he threw the battle like up until the point where they're like Gideon walked into it with tons of faith and being like, I have no idea how this is going to go, you know? Because it was like, and then with three hundred, yeah, as with three hundred, yes. and didn't they give yes. him? Did he? Did they give him instruments? Was that right? Like it was actually that that was Jericho, Je- that, was Jericho. That's right. Well, no, no. I mean, but. but Jericho's another example. Right, hey, right. I'm going to have you take this city by marching around it for seven days, chanting, and then you're going to blow uh, shofar right, on the seventh day, and the, and, the, and the city will be yours. The city will be- <laughs> um, <laughs> um, hey, I'm going to take the, the, the father of the Jewish nation is going to be uh, founded on an elderly couple who could not have children. And even if they could, they were past childbearing age. I'm yeah. going to choose them. Right. Um, I'm going to, in a culture that always valued the oldest child, I'm always going to choose the younger for my purposes. Mm. Um, Ooh, uh, I never caught that I'm before. That, oh, always, Ooh, always. Okay. I mean, it's, 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 it's ridiculous. I'm, I'm going to always choose the weakest, the smallest, the frailest to do my best work through. Mm-hmm. All right, so her translation fi- fixes... Um, and, and, and better pictures that nuance. Mm. Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. Why? Because your power is brought to its end in weakness. Now, a big question is how come we don't see much of God's power in the American church? Mm. And the answer, according to Don, would be because we make so much of our own. Yeah. We're so fixated on our strength that we don't, we don't, we never show weakness. We never, it's, it, you follow, you follow pastors on social media and they're never showing you weakness. They're never, it's always one spiritual high after another. So stoked for that. <laughs> da, yeah, da, da. Yeah. And, and you follow churches on social media. It's just nothing but awesome and amazing and life transforming. And, and you're just like, well, no wonder people get disillusioned because the church is making promises that it cannot deliver on mm-hmm. unless it's in large adrenaline fueled environments. Yeah. Our lives 
are not spent in large adrenaline-fueled environments, right. right? We're not euphoric people. How many of you bought a product from Walmart that absolutely blew your mind? <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, every time. Every time. Every time. I love but Walmart. But man, when I look at their marketing, I'm thinking, hey, that place has got it. Yeah. Walmart? That- well, go but that's that's the picture I'm painting. It's this corporation mindset of like presenting all of the value through this other kind of lens. And then when you go and actually experience what's happening and you take the product home and you could work with it, you're like, gosh, this thing's a piece of junk. Oh, got it. Okay. You know, yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. kind of like that's it's just it's yeah, part, yeah, yeah. part of my whole breakdown too, is just like the, the corporatization of like church versus, you know, all of that's a whole other analogy I can so, go into. But. So when we're so when we are showing nothing but strength and everything's polished every story has a red bow every every service ends on a really high building you know whoa yeah that was awesome and every sermon's got to be amazing and every what 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 we've what we've done there i mean can god use it well, of course he uses me he can use anything mm-hmm. but but what we've done there is we've squeezed out what god himself says um, he's most interested in using mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. not human sinfulness, right? That's he can use that, but human weakness. So here's Paul limping along, right, with this thorn in his flesh, saying, "Remove it, remove it, remove it." And God said, "No, it's exactly that 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 is that I'm using then mm-hmm. to multiply, you mm-hmm. know, my renown, my gospel, my yeah. whatever." Right. And so when you when we've fallen in love with efficiency, control, production, uh, and there's no room for weakness, um, weakness in our pastors, weakness in our speakers, weakness in our worship leaders, no room for doubt, no room for lament, no room mm-hmm. for grieving, no room for silence, no room for awkward pauses, no room for messy stories. You know, what you've just done is you've said, okay, okay, it's just beautiful people here. It's just, yeah. Yeah. And, and it's death. Yeah, we, it's death. Weakness you, is for small groups. That's right. <laughs> in small churches. Yeah. Now, what do you think is when you hear that? Yeah, it just... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it makes me really sad. I mean, like, it's... I think it's so beautiful that God just, like, wants to use our weakness. Like, that... I don't know. That takes so much pressure off of me of feeling like I have to have it all together. Yeah. And be strong and, like, be perfect. And I think churches are just setting this this bar where you you have to be like this and there's this standard and um and it's just it's impossible and it's there's so much hype around everything and then yeah then you get desensitized to the hype and then and then you're like well what about you know what about every day what about monday like yeah what do i do Mm -hmm. you know when there's no hype around me and social media is telling me that everyone else's life is better and yeah yeah Mm -hmm. it'll get you yes 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 or if you went to a different community of faith it'd be more epic you know because or whatever is always greener yeah yeah that's so good yeah and and it's incredible when when churches fall apart all of a sudden because the leaders show some sign of weakness Mm -hmm. totally because what it's like is that that hard thing is like is that on the people or is that on the is that on the leader oh it's the system baby. you know it's the whole system because it's you know because if, if we just tr- had a very famous Nashville pastor resign abruptly mm-hmm. because he's exhausted. He's exhausted. Yeah. Well, yeah, we've built a system <laughs> where the whole thing rests on one big personality. And yeah. if that personality tanks, well, then the thing's tanking. Yeah. yeah. And it's just such a bummer. Yeah. And, you know, because it, when is this guy most qualified to pastor? If it's not a sin issue, right? If it's not a, if it's not a moral issue, right. he's, he's actually most qualified now. Yeah. And if it were a moral issue, I mean, think about think about the people that do some of the best theological work in the Bible. They're 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 the deniers of Jesus, the murderers of Christians, the the uh, the adulterous king, you know, who murders uh, Uriah, Bathsheba's mm. husband. I mean, it. You're, you're, so so there's a sense in which when people get knocked out of whatever perfect scenario, they kind of become more qualified. Mm. Yeah. Because now they're limping. Yeah. Uh, but it's exactly at that point that we cut them off and remove them. And, and I'm not saying we shouldn't. I'm, I'm saying that there should be seasons. If somebody, if somebody's marriage is blown apart because of choices they had made, then they, they need time away. Yeah. The, the, but I've always thought, you know, if, if Jesus can restore Peter, who denied him yeah. three times, and then Peter goes on to have this amazing but humble ministry, yeah. you kind of go, well, it's... It, 
in like 50 days right you know it's not years of like reconciliation and restoration right and it's like within like three months right (laughs) and i'm not saying that shouldn't you know if somebody abuses somebody i'm I'm not getting into any of that i'm just saying it's interesting to me izzy based on what you were saying Mm -hmm. that uh the people who would be the best at being weak are the people who were never you know uh, so this guy, this Nashville pastor, I'm actually more interested in hearing him now uh, than I than I ever was before, you know, about because here's his big church and here's the great story and here's the beautiful people. Okay, that's all. That's all same. Why we we love train wrecks uh, because we are them, and and secondly because the out of them we begin to listen. Right the, mm-hmm. now, somebody has something to say. I was just reading a book this week where in China. If you've not been in prison for your faith, it doesn't matter how great you are, they don't trust you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that you, it's almost like it's it, seminary for us is prison for them. Yeah. So right. Crazy. It's it's like it's qualifying. So so we just don't as a as uh, as American churches, at least the ones I'm familiar with, and they're all of the mega church variety, and and I love them. I mean, I'm part of them. I I'm th- this is this is this is a lover's critique. This is when I sit down every anniversary and and say to my wife, "What can I do to be a better husband?" And she always answers. She always has answers for that. She's never <laughs> never never said no. You're great. Um, she always has answers. Yeah. And uh, and so I I feel like this first thing that. Uh, that John has said, I think there's something to that, you know, or maybe our quest for relevance and excellence and beauty. It's just a reflection of our Hellenistic culture. It's just a reflection of our American values mm-hmm. uh, of, of, of awesome. Yeah. Uh, and, and, um, and, and so I wonder, you know, as we, as we have this little community now, um, I'm, I'm speaking to like the smallest crew I've ever spoken to in my, in my pastoral ministry. And it's, it's, I actually love it and find it very liberating mm-hmm. um, because it's not the focal point, yeah. you know, it's just kind of the thing. And, and, uh, and God has very often said to me, listen, I know you hate being overweight, but I actually don't mind it. I, I know you hate being depressed and ac- anxious. I, I, I actually don't mind that for you. Uh, and I'm not saying it's from God. I'm just saying, um, the more tender I am and the more aware of my own limitations and weaknesses, the more there seems to be this corresponding like increase in what God can do. Mm-hmm. And that's what we miss out on. Yeah. You know, that's yep. what we miss out on. Yep. All right, moving on. Yeah, let's go. All right, what's, how, how much time we are we in, Andy Bear? 38. What? Let's go. All right. All right, <laughs> All right that was number one. That was yeah. a big one. That's kind of a big one. You speak in a foreign tongue. Now, he means, of course, you speak, you're, you, you use Christianese is kind mm-hmm. of our way of saying it. He says, church, you talk and talk and talk, but you do so using a dead language. You're holding on to dusty words that have no resonance in people's ears, not realizing that just saying those words louder isn't the answer. All the religious buzzwords that used to work 20 years ago no longer do. The spiritualized, this spiritualized insider language may give you some comfort in an outside world that is changing, but that stuff's just lazy religious shorthand, and it keeps regular people at a distance. They need you to speak in a language they can understand. There's a message there we're sharing, but it's hard to hear above your verbal pyrotechnics. <laughs> people don't need to be dazzled with big churchy words and about eschatological frameworks and theological systems. Talk to them plainly about love, joy, forgiveness, death, peace, God, and they'll be all ears. Keep the church, keep up the church speak, and you'll be talking to an empty room soon. All right, what do you guys think? Initial responses. It's so funny because, like, when he's talking about. Um, relatable or like uh, buzzwords from like 20 years ago I wasn't born <laughs> so it's like oh good lord I know I'm sorry <laughs> good but, lord what's, I mean, what's the buzzwords now I don't know but I, I just mean like <laughs> if you're trying to like reach people that are like my age we just don't know what you're talking about I, I mean I do because I grew up in church so like Rick I understand Duran Duran I mean those I understand buzzwords? those okay. but, um, All right. but I mean that's just like a practical thing of like Hey, yeah, we don't know what you're talking about because we weren't alive. Yes. Thank you for that millennial Mm -hmm. reminder that the rest of us are ancient. Right. You're welcome. But there's something something else you're saying there that I really like as opposed to the other stuff. Um, That that, that in the scriptures, Paul was very um, uh, attentive 
to using language his audience would understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when he's mm-hmm. preaching at a synagogue, well, he's quoting the Torah, right? He's arguing from the scriptures, Jesus Messiah. But then there are a couple of times when he's speaking to Greeks, mm-hmm. and he's quoting their prophets and their poets, and mm-hmm. and you're just like, okay, well, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, when you look at the at the speeches in Acts. Um, uh, Peter, if he's speaking to Jerusalem, he'll speak one way. If he's speaking at Cornelius's house, who was a Gentile, God-fearer, he's speaking a different way. And, and so there's something to be said for words that um, make plain what it is that we're talking about. Because I'm a fan of big words. I mean, I'm, I'm guilty as as charged in, mm-hmm. in, in this. And I have to constantly remind myself not to use... right. Because eschatological is one of my favorite words. Yeah. Well, there, I mean, there's two, and, and there's two things he's actually pointing out. So it's there's a combination of like culturally fluffy kind of words that are used commonly in churches that it's like, well, that doesn't even mean anything. And then there are very complex scholarly words that mean a ton, but they just they don't translate. They don't translate. Okay. So there's there's kind of this balance between the two because like you can get up there and talk about you know how you're really about having an authentic ministry or we, you know our goal is to really come around you and pour into your life. Right. And like you know right. we just want to make sure that we're, that we're running with a transparent faith right? I mean, it's just you see that it's like i'm just like that's just a bunch of bull. fluffy yeah fluffy. you know yeah. so it's and right. then there's of course like incredibly scholarly heavily stuff that's taught and then that's it's logical and then that becomes burdensome because then right. it makes you feel like well if i don't get this how am i ever supposed to like be engaged right. with god or how am i yeah. ever supposed to be engaged with who jesus is so there's like this hard swing i see in types of churches kind of between those two things do you mm-hmm. think that's why people are leaving because it feels like a foreign country because part of what we're saying out of mm-hmm. point one is it should feel like a foreign country. Yeah. But point two is, well, don't make it too foreign. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. how do you carry that? People like to go to foreign countries when the experience is translatable. Okay. Like if yeah. it's, if it's not about, if Whoa. it's not about like, because yeah, there's conflict in words and language in order to have communication and conversation. But when someone is standing on, you know, um, in front of the West Wall, you know, in Jerusalem, and taking it in and looking around them and developing the visual contents and the aesthetic of the experience, well, then that outer world experience becomes meaningful. So it's just kind of the, the thing is, though, is that our our modern churches are so doctrinal preaching, word teaching types of churches. Not that, all of them. But, not but, all of them. But it's like what he's saying is, though, is so much of what churches become is hinged on that thing. Right. So like the deeper experience that exists for most humans is often just completely stripped and removed away from it. And then it feels like. You can't even come. It's not. It becomes not approachable. Hmm. It is. Yeah. No. Go yeah. ahead. No. Good. Yeah. I just think like. Okay. Know, we, we know that twenty years ago you were not. I'm not gonna say that again. Okay. <laughs> all right. That's good. No, I was just gonna say like I think there needs to be a balance between all those things and like. We need to be able to have like real authentic conversations and feel like we understand what's happening, but also like we're being. I, I mean, I, I want to be challenged like when I go to church too and hear things that I don't understand and I want to learn and I want to grow. And I think that's something that um, people my age want, but they do want to be able to feel like they're actually having a real conversation that they can be a part of, you know? So the, so it's not mm-hmm. so much the words, it's their context. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know if that's true, but I, I'm hearing you say, hey, because uh, I believe this, I've I've seen and I've been a part of churches that had lots of young people, and it, it wasn't like we were, you know, doing three points of, you know, here's how to have a better marriage. I mean, we were into deep stuff, but it felt real. It felt like it was a a a, a real what conversation. It felt yeah. like it was a real expression. Um, so maybe it's not the words as much as in in the context of number one, the show. Yeah. The words can just feel like, you know, and I, and I feel like from worship leaders, there's this worship, you know, voice that people use and there are all these words here. <laughs> yeah. We just, we know you come, you know, from all kind of different places this week and we're just gonna, we're just gonna step into God's presence. Make and this your prayer today. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, uh, just, it, it's all the sameness. It's all the lack of imagination. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not a rich richness to our words. So mm-hmm. there's this bland sameness that you're calling fluff. Mm-hmm. There's the too deep that doesn't translate, but then there. But, but I hear you as he's saying, no. There's a there's a there's a place for the deep. Yeah. yeah. But it but it's got to be framed in something other than show. Yeah. yeah. Totally. I mean, but it goes back to your point with Paul. 
Paul had the ability to take people oh, to man. that depth. Mm-hmm. So, but it's it starts with a, a a huge awareness to the reality of the room. Yeah, in the context well, of and who's Jesus. coming in. I mean, and, and Jesus. hey, hey. Kingdom of God's like a pearl. Kingdom of God likes treasure hidden in a field. Kingdom of God is like a farmer sowing seed. The kingdom of God, you know, is like uh, virgins waiting for their bridegroom. Kingdom, I mean, he's just doing nothing but using cultural images yeah. mm-hmm. to, to speak uh, relevantly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. So it's not a deep or shallow thing as, as much as it is a contextual. Have we contextualized? So that's one of the buzzwords. Contextual, yeah. missional. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, a, I'm, a, I, I'm so guilty of this whole thing. Oh, I'm yeah. so guilty. All right, number three. Your vision can't see past your building. Ooh. I got, a, I got a verse for this one. What do you got? Um, I got uh, oh, hold on, different tab. I was, oh. I was following along. Oh. Okay. I got uh, Amos chapter 5, 21 through 24. Well, let me hear it. Does that spark? Okay. Yeah, it does. I, uh, I know. So this transitions from the message. So of course it, it is. Because it, it totally you're liberal. Does. Right. <laughs> so it says, um, I can't stand your religious meetings. I'm fed up with your conferences and conventions. I want nothing to do with your religion projects, your pretentious slogans and goals. I'm sick of your fundraising schemes, your public relations and image making. I've had all I can take of your noisy ego music. When was the last time you sang to me? Do you know what I want? I want justice, oceans of it. I want fairness, rivers of it. That's what I want. That's all I want. Oh, wow. Mm. Wow. Well, you know, I think Eugene Peterson sounds a lot like God. And, uh, and, looks, and, and I and think looks, looks like a lot him. like God. Looks like him too. So, so perhaps. No, but, but that is an interesting thing because all throughout the prophetic literature of the Hebrew scriptures, you have these very clear, hey, I'm not interested in, in your offerings, your prayers, your sacrifices, mm-hmm. your convocation, your new moon celebrations, if it's not accompanied by justice, if it's not accompanied mm-hmm. by... And, and, and so when you talk about worship in the Bible, God talks more about the worship he hates than mm-hmm. the worship he wants. Mm. And worship devoid of justice, which is just an expression of love of neighbor. Don't get hung up on justice. Yeah. It's just love of neighbor. Um, that God's not interested in love of God, divorced from love of neighbor. And it's just that simple and it's that consistent. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and, and so this, I, I think that gets exactly to his point here. He says, the coffee bar, the cushy couches, the high-tech lights, the funky children's wing, and the uber-cool teen center are all top-notch and costly. <laughs> in fact, <laughs> most of your time, money and energy seems to be about luring people to where you are instead of reaching people where they already are. Rather than simply stepping out into neighborhoods around you and partnering with the amazing things already happening and the beautiful stuff God is already doing, you seem content to franchise out your particular brand of Jesus stuff and wait for the sinful world to be down your door. Your greatest mission field is just a few miles or feet off your campus and you don't even realize it. You want to reach the people you're missing? Leave the building. Mm-hmm. Now, so he's going at he's going at a couple things here that that I think are interesting. One is the come to me approach that that really emphasizes the show. The reason we do the show is because it's a come to me approach, right? Mm-hmm. In, 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 in in Uber number two lingo, it's attractional. The attractional model of the church right. is if we make church attractive enough, people will come. And, and to some degree, that's true and that does work. And mm-hmm. part of what Israel was to be was to be an attractive people to the nations, mm-hmm. that they would demonstrate how good it is to live under the rule of God. And that the nations would be attracted to that. Absolutely. So is there a place? Of course there is. And does God use it? Of course he does. This isn't better or worse as much as it is what's most, what, what is the most, um, uh, most intentional way to be the church in this day and age. Mm-hmm. Um, if, we, if we're going to put our forms kind of back up for discussion and, and we have this very narrow imagination um, what what this individual is saying is very often the church is, is so focused about the building, which is theologically lame, right? Because church is never, <laughs> it, yeah. it, it's never a building, it's a people. Mm-hmm. And so uh, when we make it about buildings, of course, we've made it about the wrong things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've been a part of three building campaigns, so I've done this. Um, but I, I've really changed my view on it, and I've been wrong about it because... If if and this is just me speaking as a as a you know somebody who's who's you know made all of these screw ups, but um, the podcast thing has really taught me differently. So mm-hmm. so when I was a church called Evie Free Fullerton, um, we did three services, and at those three services, maybe four thousand thirty eight hundred people would show up. 
And then you'd have another thousand people live stream. And then a couple other thousand would podcast. And so let's say on a month, you know, you're talking to seven or 8,000 different people. Mm-hmm. And to do that... And we, we, might, we might say maybe it's the same seven or 8,000 people every month. Right. 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 Exactly. Not, yeah. It's not new 8,000 the next correct. month. Yeah. Correct. 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 And uh, to do that, you know, we had a... Um, close to $10 million, $9 million budget. We had 20 acres of, of land and all sorts of stuff. And, and hallelujah, those are great resources. Um, but the podcast thing has been the flipping of that script entirely. So, so Andy's telling me we've got however many dozens of thousands of downloads yeah. uh, a month. Yeah, we're transparent. We did like you know, 38,000 downloads last month. Yeah, and then we've been tra- we've we've trended up to that, and we've we've averaged because, around thirty plus, which since makes the past, us like four months really important. It makes <laughs> it according to number one Hardly. that makes us kicking butt. Right now, now the Harry Potter one, on the other hand, oh, yeah. it's killing us, killing us. So, so we're 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 a large, small fry in in the world um, mm-hmm. of podcasting. But here's the point: how much does it cost to do a podcast? Thousand bucks. You know, yeah, by we, the time we get all that, yeah, maybe we've spent a thousand dollars, and that's that's on you know, kind of middle of the road stuff, you know, stuff, right? And and people people have donated to it, so yeah, I mean, it, it's and where do people listen to podcasts? Well, they listen to them in their in their car at the gym, at the gym, working, doing errands, you know, and you're like, you get to be in their world. That's why I'm yeah. always saying here, man, thank you for letting us be in your world, yeah, because is it? And, and so you just go, wow. What a, what a misuse of resources. Now, now you can't, you know, there's still a reason to gather because I mean, podcast right. is a community, podcast is in corporate worship, podcast is in the sacraments. I mean, there's still, if, if all churches are, are teaching centers, then yeah, podcasts could replace them. Mm-hmm. But churches are never that. Uh, but it's interesting to me how much, it's like Uber, it's like Airbnb. We flipped out of, of the, the, the most innovative companies don't own anything. They just facilitate things that are already there. Yeah. And so if I were ever going to own property again, I'd never want to own a church building. I'd want to own common use property that church, mm. the church then subleases out um, on Sundays or whenever they're meeting. Right. You know, right. I'd want to own a, I'd want to own a, a CrossFit gym. Yeah. Because uh, of course, um, <laughs> cause uh, uh, cause I need it. Um, I'd want to own a, a community center. I'd want to own a, you know, um, uh, uh, some cool sort of restaurant mm. type bar thing, right. you know, whatever. I mean, whatever it would be. Well, and it's funny you say community center though, because I think that's where a lot of this entire model has had became a flip at one point in time. Because like in the fifties and sixties, like churches largely felt like community centers. Correct. You know, they were a bit more that's right. Outreach to right. the local neighborhoods and how they and, function. But and, now it's become about our own little neighborhood we built for ourselves that right. we all partake of, and it's not directly that pulls related. us out. Yeah. So why would you yeah. have a coffee shop when you should be encouraging? your people to go to the coffee shops all around them, build relationships, be Jesus people. Why would you have a restaurant when, Hey, we should be using all the restaurants. Um, And so, so, you know, I I think there's something to this in the sense of I've been a part of, and, and I, you know, we may raise money in the future for um, needs that we have, you know, in the rental we're in. And so I'm not opposed to that at all. I think there is a minimum standard of safety and communication um, that you need. I just wonder if it is what it, what it, it is right. what yeah you have to always stop become. and evaluate if the resources are actually benefiting what you're trying to accomplish right and i think that's what the, largely this article is saying is that all the while these resources begin to fund a what and right. that big what is is the thing in question the preservation right. of the institution yeah exactly Giant so it's, yeah yes exactly right, right. exactly right. right so so instead of so so you want to be both you want to be a come and see and we do we 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 want to create a space where people um, don't have to jump through the normal subculture hoops uh, to be a part um, uh, of our community. But we also want to be a community that is 
out in the real world dealing with real people and being normal. Mm -hmm. And we're Jesus people, absolutely, first and foremost, but we want to be good friends and good neighbors right, and right. good yeah. good, uh, good uh, consumers. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, the, and the kind of, I think the challenge that we've presented with people is that we don't do all these other expected ministries that every other church is doing. Like, it's kind of like, listen, we're actually making your calendar open to go be normal people. Well, to not try to sell you on all these different micro events we're doing because you're a guy, so you need a guy's thing and you're a girl. So you need a girl's thing. And well, that's the temptation, yeah, right? Because that's, 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 temptation. What people, that's what people want. Right. All right, Iz. What's how, how, how long we got? 55. Okay, we're done. Whoa. Iz, you get final closing thoughts so far in this conversation. Oh, this number five is so good. Are we going to do a part two, you think? Dude. Well, we're going to have to. Okay. Like four All and right. five are really good. Yeah, they are. Okay. All right. So what do you got, Izzy? Come on. <laughs> Man. What? I don't know. I just... I think it's good that um, more and more people are talking about this. Like, I, I have noticed a lot more people, just even in, like, my circle of friends, like, we've been talking about a lot of this kind of stuff. A lot of, like, hey, we're, we're tired of this not being real and authentic, and we want people to be transparent in a world of social media where you're constantly putting your best foot forward and, and not showing who you really are. I think people are, like, ready for a transition in things, and I don't know exactly what that looks like, but it's fun to be a part of something that is actively trying to be what, transparent with people. Why Why have you not given up on the church? Um, I don't know. I, I just couldn't bring myself to do that. Hmm. I, I thought about it, but I just, I don't know. I think I was like missing community too much, community of people mm -hmm. too much. When I wasn't at church, I just was kind of lonely you know yeah i'm kind of awkward so i didn't have a lot of friends <laughs> but you have <laughs> but pets you love i do yeah i have pets how many pets friends. do you have i have a dog and yes a cat. and wow mm -hmm. yeah. and the dog's name is croissant oh good lord and the <laughs> i hesitate even to ask this next i know question. i'm surprised cat's name norman oh, oh. it's not as bad uh, no it's awful the oh, whole okay. thing is awful that's weird um when you turn 21 yes um, you will be forced to make a choice between Andy and me. Oh, and, yes, I've um, heard. Yes, so I just, I just want you to be praying about that. You know, I think I'm just going to go with wine instead of the beer option. <laughs> okay, I like that dimension. So we, follow we, Jesus. We yeah, another dimension. So yeah. follow, just follow Jesus on the wine, wine right. bit. Okay, oh. all right, that's a little too spiritual for us. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's so much like the blood of the cross that how oh. could you not always want to experience that? Let me tell you right now. This is when this is when I knew Izzy was our girl. So Izzy gets up, and uh, and and she plays an Emmylou Harris song. Uh, and, and what's the name of the song again? It's called All My Tears. All My Tears. It It is unbelievable how good that song is. And uh, and then we did this thing. We did a lament thing. And, and you'd written a song called uh, Still Hope. Yeah. And um, that you played. And it was just like, oh, my goodness. And so one of the things we love about Izzy, and this is a plug for Izzy and her music, um, is, you know, here's a 20-year-old young woman who is reaching into some really, really deep stuff beyond the normal sort of worship sounding sorts of things, but it's un it's just unbelievably good and it's and it's because it's beyond the the kind of normal imaginings and forms of kind of what we do. It's just so so powerfully heard, right? Because I mean, who else is doing Emmy Lou Harris in, in a in a in a church service? Maybe somebody is, but wow, was that so good? And At so Portland, probably, yeah, yeah, the entire city, the entire the city. entire city, yeah. all the churches up there are doing yeah, that. That's okay, though. Okay, well, they they'll lead the way. <laughs> they will lead the way. They are. So uh, so anyway, check out Izzy Ray's stuff. We're not we, we're obviously not having her on to plug her stuff, but. Her stuff is really, really good. And so um, one of the ways she's blessed uh, our community has been just through her being herself, which has been phenomenal. Reminder, of course, that uh, we have two podcasts now, and we're working on a third. More details to come about that. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the first one is this one. So this is the Subversive Kingdom one that's going to go to voxpodcast.com here mm -hmm. that Andy's now moved to SoundCloud. You can plan for that in about a month. In a so month. in about a month, kind of once we close out this year, yeah. we're going to do a big switch. We so have we'll a one-year 50th episode special that we've <laughs> not yet planned. Yep. Yep. Um, 
that we've not yet planned, but it will be it will be epic. Yeah, there's ideas all over the place. Right, we're excited about it. But we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll kind of mention it each episode to let you guys know because I'm I, I can't. There's like one big thing I can't test without doing it live. So I'm just Ooh. hoping it doesn't break when it happens. Okay, so like you know, there may need to be a little bit of polishing as we as we jump into it. Yeah. But. So give us feedback on it for sure. Don't if if you can't download anything, you guys are always great about doing that. Andy at voxoc.com um, or Andy Bear. No, not really. That's that should be the one. That won't go anywhere. Brown eyes. Hello, Andy. Brown eyes. Uh, hello. Yeah. At Vox Podcast. Yep. Oh my goodness, that is. Um, and croissant at yeah, uh, izzyray.com. Uh, send us a send us a nice. And note. then the second and the second podcast we have is the actual stories and um, uh, the the scripture uh, the 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 Jesus beautiful piece from our uh, weekly thing. Um, our little what? Vox Community Podcast. Vox Community. Yeah, that's what Are you it's called. A hard time? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. Vox Community Podcast. That's what I was looking for. So, so if you want to, you both of those are on iTunes, and our, our website is voxoc.com for for the local. We have we have folks that that will bop in from. Uh, we call them podrishioners. Another church calls them podrishioners. <laughs> I love that. So we'll steal that. And uh, and so if you ever want to stop by and say hi, we'd love to love to see you. As always. We are thrilled to be a part of your life. We really are. And um, we're, we're so grateful for all the feedback you give us, positive, negative. Um, we look at all of it, and um, some, di- some gets disregarded. Some gets put in a to, to talk about later pile. Um, and then the positive stuff uh, I frame uh, in my office. <laughs> and uh, not really. So uh, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you. May he be gracious to you. May he lift up his face to you. And may he give you peace today. Um, thanks as always for tuning in. Till next time. Thanks for listening to Vox, the Mike Geary podcast. Be sure to like Mike on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash official Mike Erie. Follow Mike on Twitter and Periscope at Mike Erie for live interaction and ongoing Q&A. Don't forget to visit subversivekingdom.com for further engagement and information about Mike. <laughs>